Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are absolutely positively in the right place. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. We're live. It's Wednesday, April 16th, the day after tax day. I hope you all survived if you're in the U.S. Let's get started. The buzz today, mentoring. Let's talk about it. Mentoring at its most basic involves a more experienced, more knowledgeable person helping to guide someone on the other end of the spectrum, less experienced, less knowledgeable, perhaps even younger, for personal and or professional development. But mentoring has lots of different flavors and shapes and sizes and styles today. It can be so much more. I'll tell you a little bit about it. It's a two-way learning street. Yes, it has its own rules and its own culture. It can be done in reverse, where a mentor or it can be younger and less experienced than a mentee. I like that word. And mentoring can help your organization proliferate cultural norms. That's a mouthful. So are you taking advantage of the benefits of mentoring at its best? I have a panel of experts to help discuss this, to explore it, to give you the scoop on what mentoring is today and what it can do for your company. So let's get started. First up is a repeat guest here on Coffee Break with Game Changers. Always happy to have her back. Her name is Sherry Ann Meyer. She is with Air Products and Chemicals. She's also a member of the Board of Directors and Executive Exchange for American SAP Users Group, finally known as ASUG. And here's the quote Sherry Ann sent me. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, is the phrase I will occasionally recite to my colleagues who have some knowledge that I need. Obi-Wan was Luke and Anakin Skywalker's mentors in Star Wars. I know you love to quote movies. Welcome back, Sherry Ann Meyer. How are you today? I'm great, Bonnie, and it's great to be back. Thank you for having me. Oh, delighted. So last time I think you were quoting, what was it, Wizard of Oz, last time you were on our HR Trend show about a year ago? Wizard Remember? of Oz, I'm, I almost quoted them again, but I switched over to Star Wars this time. <laughs> well, how appropriate, because I think mentoring, we're talking about producing or mentoring stars, and the stars are on both sides of the equation. So talk to me, why is this quote important to you for our topic today, Sherry Ann? I, I can't do it alone. So I often will say to somebody else, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, is sort of as a joke and a lighthearted way to get them to break from what they're doing and share something with me that they know. I'm one person. I can make a difference, but my difference is exponentially increased if I share it and pass it on and if I can draw from other people as well. So um, it's just something that always comes to my head to kind of break the ice with someone sometimes to say, tell me what you know. Sherry-Ann, I want to ask you, in, in my opening, I mentioned it's a two-way learning street. It has its own rules and culture. What in my intro resonated the most with you about what you know mentoring to be today? Just give us a little, little more meat on the bones here, and then I'm going to go to our next panelist. Well, I think mentoring to me has always been sort of a men Thing. You take the men for the mm. mentoring. You always think about the the boy network of years ago and how men always had mentors. And today, I think of it much differently. I think of it more as being able to connect with many different people who have much to add to my life. And then I think about the things I can tell somebody else to help them not change to fit a norm, but blend to fit in with everyone else or understand everyone else. 
So would we take the word mentoring and either make it many to ring or women to ring? I'm not sure, but maybe we'll come up with something new in the predictions round. Thank you so much for getting us started, Sherry Ann Meyer. Let's turn to Sarah Cook. She's an associate vice president and managing consultant at Great Place to Work. And we know her through her colleague, China Gorman, who is also a regular guest on our shows. And uh, Sarah sent me this wonderful quote from Lucille Ball, the famous, most famous redhead, more famous than me as a redhead. And mm-hmm. Lucille Ball said, I'd rather regret regret the things I have done than the things that I haven't. How profound. Welcome, Sarah Cook. How are you today? I'm wonderful, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. Uh, I love that. Delighted. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. (laughs) I I still love it. I'm going to crochet it somewhere. That's my favorite thing to say when I love a quote. I'm I'm not going to deface a building, but I think we'll crochet it on a pillow. So talk to me. What about this quote resonates with you, Sarah Cook, about our topic of mentoring today? Yeah, so I think that it's interesting that as we often approach mentoring relationships, we feel like the mentee is the only one feeling vulnerable. In reality, both partners are having some vulnerability. It takes vulnerability to ask to be mentored. It takes vulnerability to offer to be mentored and uh, or to be a, men- a mentor. So particularly when we start to advance into more of a sponsorship relationship, both sides have skin in the game and both sides have reputation and skill and opportunity at risk. So that idea of I would rather get out there and take that risk than to have missed asking, I think is really important as we're thinking about our career path and the potential for entering into a mentee-mentor relationship. Wonderful. And I might, uh, go, let's go back in time a little bit to the old phrase, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Yeah. So you got to be in it one. to win it, right? <laughs> got to be in it to win it. You have to play, well, you got to buy the ticket to win the lottery. Wonderful. Uh, Lucille Ball did have a way of saying it. I wonder, I wonder how many things she didn't try. Probably not too much <laughs> in her very colorful career. Thank you so much, Sarah Cook. Mm-hmm. And let's bring on Megan Sullivan, Vice President of Global Channel Marketing at SAP. And here's a quote from Megan. She says, dress for a Success. Always present yourself both mentally and in physical appearance in the job that you want to be in one level up. Welcome, Megan Sullivan. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Oh, our pleasure. I like it when a guest is fantastic at the start of the show. That means we're going to have a fantastic <laughs> show. Let's just keep it going. So talk to me. Dress for success. I don't know people dress up for work anymore at all. I'm always wonder in wonderment and amazement when I see anybody even in what looks like a business suit or, or heels today, talking about women and, and men in a suit or a tie. So talk to me about how does this apply in our, our very virtual, vir, vir, virtual and culturally telepresent world. Megan, talk to me. Yeah, well, I, when I say dress for success, I think this is all about first impressions, and they absolutely matter. So when I'm mentoring people, or even in my own career, I have found that having a seat at the table, speaking in a very, you know, firm and confident voice, and really acting the job that you want to be in. And so I tell people all the time, when you're in a meeting and you get asked a question, whether it's on the phone or in person or whatever. I want you to respond as if you were your manager. How would they look at the world? How would they respond to the question? And put yourself in a broader perspective because, sure, you have your own job and you're responsible for your own function. But if you want to succeed and if you want to be promoted, you have to present yourself as if you think of yourself in a much broader world and a much broader perspective. So answering in your manager's voice or in whatever job you want to be in, I believe, you know, puts you further ahead of the curve amongst all the employees in the room. 
Interesting. And as I was mentioning in our, our telepresent world and our tele, telecommuting world, whatever kind of tele word you want to use, it really is very much the voice, the presence, the engagement. Would you agree about, upon that, Megan? I absolutely agree with that. And um, there are, even though we are virtual, you know, there are still a lot of people that go into the office and have customer meetings and interact. And I think it's incredibly important that you look professional and you wear, you know, the outfit or the suit or the jeans or, you know, however you want to look. But it has to look as if you're trying to be promoted and if you deserve that spot at the executive table. So I think it's very important both in spoken, written and physical appearance to look fantastic. Great points. Great advice to get us started. Now, ladies, our topic today is mentoring done right. Everybody wins, and I know our listeners are going to win for listening to your words of wisdom, but I have a very important question for the three of you, and you know what's coming. What's in your cup today? We'll start out with Sherry Ann Meyer. And Sherry Ann, if you're drinking something, just blah, who cares? Give me a great story. Coffee, tea, water, juice. Are you making, you have a Vegematic, you got a new Keurig. Talk to me about the best something that you drink on a break and share that with us, please. Oh, my. I'm really into teas lately, um, ah. especially the Tazos, the Zen tea I like a lot. But I also like yogi teas. And the reason I like them is because they have these little quotes on the tea tabs. And I I think that that always inspires me. Um, so I love to get that out. That's one of the things I do during the morning or the afternoon for a break. Um, we have a, a actual coffee shop on campus here. And I think that inspires mentoring. Because people get up out of their desk and go down and get a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and you see people you wouldn't normally see and you stop and you learn things and hear things and make connections. Um, my favorite yogi tea bag so far has been the little tag that says life is too short to blend in, which is very similar to Lucille Ball's um, comment, mm-hmm. right? Very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I think when I think about mentoring too, I think about blending in, but it's less and less about blending in. When I go down to that cafeteria to get another cup of coffee, I'm not blending in. I'm standing out. Ah, I like that. Outstanding in her field. Thank you very much for the story, <laughs> Sherry, and I appreciate that. Sarah Cook, I won't ask you to top that, but what's in your cup today or what do you wish you were drinking? Well, I want to give a little bit of celebration for what she just said because those Tazo teas are fabulous. I do drink those quite a lot. That's not <laughs> what I'm drinking today. Um, I am... Uh, on a Vitamix kick. Um, so I recently gave up Diet Coke and replaced it with smoothies and things that I make at home. Even took my Vitamix to our team offsite that we had recently, and the whole team's getting in on it, making team drinks and sharing them. Um, so it's become a, a bonding point in our culture, a really great thing. And you can put anything in that, you know, fruits, vegetables, anything you want. Sarah, you just blew my mind because my co-producer, Malcolm Kimberl, and I just pinged him on link, and I said, what are you drinking? Because we usually announce it, and it's usually Equator Coffees or Starbucks, and you won't believe. He just said, I'm having a mixed fruit smoothie right out of my new Vitamix. I there swear, Sarah. <laughs> he just, and, and as I'm reading Vitamix on my other on my other screen, and you're saying Vitamix, my mind is exploding. Wow. <laughs> What's your favorite flavor of what you put in yours? Or, or Yeah, what do you put in? Yeah, well, I usually have some spinach or kale in there just because it's good for you, but I can't taste uh-huh. it because I put a little lemon with a little bit of the rind. The rind takes over the greens flavor and then all yeah. kinds of fruit, berries, mangoes, anything I can pull out of the freezer fruit-wise or fresh. Um, so it ends up being a mixed blend of everything. Sounds wonderful. That's the zest, the grind of the lemons, <laughs> yeah. the lemon zest. Yes, it's delicious. Done right. Very, very uh, spunky. Thank you so much, Sarah. Megan Sullivan, I don't know what to expect, what you're drinking, so why don't you surprise <laughs> us? 
Well, after that last response from Sarah, I feel like I should go out for a long run or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to go the opposite way. And I'm actually, I went to a hotel in Vegas a couple of weeks ago and there was an espresso machine in the hotel room and I made myself like the best cup of coffee I've ever had. And so, of course, I went to the Nespresso store, bought myself a new Nespresso machine and I am loving the coffee every day. And it uh, it came with about between 12 and 15 different samples of different types of flavors. So I'm working my way through all the lines, and it's fantastic. Do you have a favorite flavor? There must be something in there that you know you're going to buy another box of when it runs out. What do you like the best? Uh, I'm not sure what it's called. It's kind of that medium blend. It's really smoky and um, just delicious. It's just fantastic. I'm loving it. I only drink one cup a day, though, just to make sure that I stay sane. So it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) They don't let me have caffeine on show days, and I try to limit it to Sunday mornings. But I just got a new red Keurig Mini because I redid my kitchen with red quartz countertops. So I had Mm. to have a red a red Keurig to go with it, and I'm using decaf beans, but they're still delicious. So there. Ladies, what great stories. Thank you so much. Our topic today is mentoring done right. Everybody wins. I think we've already learned a wealth of information, a very rich information about ways to mentor and get involved in the culture of your company and be outstanding in your field at the same time. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. We're speaking today with Sherry Ann Meyer, Sarah Cook, and Megan Sullivan. We'll be right back after the break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We're going to go into our roundtable round, a marathon 30 minutes. So I'm going to warn my guests to please put your seatbelts on. We're going to have quite a ride. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are. We're talking today about mentoring done right. Everybody wins, and we already have three winners on our panel, Sherry Ann Meyer at Air Products and Chemicals and on the Board of Directors and Executive Exchange for ASUG, American SAP Users Group, Sarah Cook, Associate VP and Managing Consultant at Great Place to Work, and Megan Sullivan, VP of Global Channel Marketing at SAP. We're going to kick off our marathon roundtable round with Sherry Ann Meyer, and I. you sent me a couple of interesting talking points, actually all my guests did, but Sherry Ann, I 
want to start out with this one. It's just five little words that seem to pack a wallop. Mentoring is a selfless activity. Why don't you kick off our roundtable, and then I will invite the other guests to jump, jump in at any time, and let's get this going. Sherry Ann? Ah, thanks. Well, when I, I first started thinking about what we would talk about on the show, that was the first thing that came to my mind, because I've done mentoring for people, and of course it takes time, so in that respect, obviously, it's selfless. But more than that, it's what you can give to somebody else. You know, in a workplace very often it's very competitive and people are looking to um, get themselves ahead and maybe they mentor because that's what they're supposed to do because they're in a leadership position. Mm -hmm. But really to put your full heart and soul into mentoring is to say, I'm going to, you're an equal and I'm going to give to you everything I know and I'm going to let myself be bare to you so that you'll be bare to me. I can only establish a good, good, strong mentoring relationship when you're, you let yourself be vulnerable so that the person that you're mentoring can be vulnerable too. And to me, mentoring is more of a partnership where you get to that level where you're really more associates and you can share back and forth. And I think that when you get to that level, you can really be honest with someone and with each other so you can help them realize their full potential. You can help them and be honest with them about where you think that maybe they made a mistake or might potentially hit a pitfall. And that's that's hard. That's really hard work to to give of that of yourself, to be able to be critical in a positive way with someone that helps them. It certainly is. And what comes to mind is that perhaps it works best, Sherry Ann, when the mentor and mentee are not on the same immediate team, when it's not a manager and a subordinate. I hate to use that word, but somebody reports to that person because then you do have some possible murky waters when somebody is saying you didn't do this right. It's more of a judgment for a review or for a raise or for a bonus rather than in a mentor. Do you, do you agree that mentors should not be working side by side on the same team, maybe not even the same part of the organization? Absolutely. I mean, I think there are some bosses who can pull off mentoring very well, but for the most part, um, you really want to seek out people that you don't work with to have correspondence with or lunch with or, you know, it doesn't have to be a formal mentor relationship with that name on it. Um, I think that over time, there are people that become your mentors that you never really intended it to be that kind of relationship, but they, because of your relationship outside of the work, the immediate work area, um, you get some objective feedback from them and some insight into yourself that you might not have otherwise gotten. Thank you. Sarah Cook, a great place to work. Go ahead. So was that Sarah I heard? It was me. Thank you. We're yeah, so you're welcome. Go ahead. Today, you and I. <laughs> um, so I wanted to build on that a bit in the sense that I think it's important to understand what is the purpose of the mentoring relationship. So some mentoring is done for the purpose of getting good at learning the ropes in a new job or understanding how to get work done in an environment. That's about culture. And that is also about some uh, a skill set that a peer or somebody else who may be in a similar job in another department can be very helpful for. And then there is a thing called sponsorship. And sponsorship is more about getting advancement and put progressing your career and in that stage you are going to be looking for someone who is ideally two levels above you and that person however should still have line of sight to your work um, so that it's not somebody in a completely different department unless that's where you aspire to be so that they can help you get there and there can be that um, selflessness I guess in the sense that they've chosen to enter into a relationship but in these sponsorship relationships it truly isn't selfless. Both sides are winning mm-hmm. and both sides are getting something out of it. So they have what they call the sponsor effect and the protege effect about satisfaction in their own personal careers as a result of the work that they're doing together and the progress that that creates for both sides of the party. 
Thank you very much. Megan Sullivan, what do you think about all this? The, the concept of selfless and sponsorship? Go ahead. Absolutely. I'd love to add into that. I think it is. Um, I love the conversation about both sides need to be vulnerable. Some of my best mentoring relationships have been those where it absolutely does get a little personal, if you will. Um, sometimes it's very hard to admit when we've made mistakes in our career or even as a mentor to admit when we've failed in the past and talk about, you know, went down in flames at this point and this <laughs> is how I got out of it or, you know, whatever whatever the case may be. But those are the lessons to pass forward and those are the stories that are going to most resonate with the mentee when they really understand that you are human too, even though you may be two levels above or whatever. There are a lot of roads of, you know, a lot of mistakes on the road to success and it's important that we're able to share those and be open and, and be able to trust each other that whatever is you know, set in camp stays in camp is what I like to say. So those conversations also need to be very private and not repeated outside of the the walls of the phone or the, or the room or wherever that's taking place. And Megan, I think that goes back to the Lucille Ball quote that Sarah Cook brought us. I'd rather regret the things I have done than the things I haven't. So those bumps in the road, those going down in flames are part of your history. They're part of your pedigree and how you got to be where you are. Uh, panelists, I have a question here on Twitter from Kate Sakey, tweeting at hashtag SAP Radio. Thank you, Kate. And she asks, how should a young professional ask a colleague they respect quote, to be their mentor, unquote, and then the question goes on, does it need to be a formal agreement? Who wants to take this? It's a good question. Thank you, Kate. This is Sherry. I think mm-hmm. um, at our organization, at Air Products, we have a formal arrangement where people can reach out and find mentors for each other, but I think most of the successful mentorships I've witnessed aren't really through that formal mentor- mentorship program because I think very often it, you want to try to find someone that you feel that you can identify with or that can help you get to where you want to go. And it's not uh, just I pick you and that's it, you're my mentor for the next year and we're going to go on. It's kind of like reaching out and making connections with people, making friendships or associations with people and finding the person that you think is going to give you something. Um, most of people that I would consider mentors, were not really chosen as mentors, but they've taught me a lot because they were able to see my work, be honest with me, let me mm-hmm. be honest with them, and give me feedback. Thank you, Sherry Ann. Sarah Cook, you want to add to that advice yeah, to a young thank professional? You. Yeah, Please. thank you. Um, I, I think that there's a, a misconception out there, or maybe it's just general shyness, which is valid, um, yeah. that it's it's not appropriate to just simply ask. Uh, in reality, most people who ask get a yes in reply. And and that what's required in that ask is what is it that you're looking for? Are you looking to get together for an hour once a month and talk about your current projects and how you might do them differently? Are you looking for um, something different, you know, more casual or more formal? If you can articulate that ask, in most cases you're going to get a yes. And frankly, that's even with strangers. So if somebody you meet on LinkedIn, somebody you meet on Twitter, you ask that question and say, hey, I'll come to your office if we could have coffee and maybe do that once a month or once a quarter after you have that initial meeting, often you're going to get a yes, more than, more likely than not. Very interesting. I want to turn to Megan Sullivan. I have a, a one of your talking points that goes right to the heart of our conversation, Megan. Let me read it and then have you comment and have the others join in. You say, my own mentors, and you put that in quotes, and I know that's for a reason. My own mentors in my career make up what I refer to as my board of directors. I love that. So talk to me. In what, what yeah. sense is it a board of directors, and, and how do you honor them? Because a board, they want some kind of re- remuneration usually, at least their name on a business 
business card or on a plaque somewhere. So how do you treat them and how do you collect? How many are there, Megan? This is what I would say about that. So I think mentoring comes in many different forms. And in my career, I have never had one person that I go to. It's never been, uh, you know, to Kate's question, I haven't approached somebody saying, will you be my mentor? It's more of a philosophy that I have kind of that underpins who I am and how I operate in, in my career development. And that is at any given job that I have or time in my career, I have what I refer to as my board of directors. And there's no more than five people at any given time. Sometimes those people don't even know they're on my board. But what I do is I find people in industry that I respect, that I admire, that I get a lot from, and I will either have conversations with them and pull information from them, or it might be somebody that I admire from afar, like a Sheryl Sandberg or a Steve Jobs at one point. Mm-hmm. And what I do is collectively, I, because I like to get lots of different viewpoints, and I've never really found anyone that really resonated with me of, oh, I want to be just like that person, because, of course, we're our own people, and we like to develop and kind of put our own flavor on things. But what I find is I like to have five different influence points in my life and go to them probably a little bit more indirectly or a little more casually than a formal mentor relationship. And I pull pieces and parts from each one, and they make up my board of directors. Having said that, again, they have changed through different jobs and different touch points. Um, Some of them have remained constant, and again, a lot of them don't even know they're on it. Very interesting. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Talk to me. Yeah. I I really think that that's what both of you just said just defines how mentoring isn't what the traditional word mentoring meant. And we're going to talk, I think, a little bit more about how it it is going to change in the future. But I love that idea of reaching out and your, your concept of having five different people or any number of different people that you look to. Um, and what you said about Sheryl Sandberg or anybody else is so important because when I read her book, everyone says, oh, you know, she doesn't know what she's talking about. But no, she's only one touch point. And some of the things that she has to say will resonate with one person and not with another. And it's our job to take in all that feedback and assimilate it to what works for our values. Sherry, and to that point, I want to bring in something you told me. You said there is such a thing as organically grown mentors. They don't even get that they are your mentor. You cite people like teachers or a colleague or a friend, someone with a common interest or I imagine with a complementary interest where it might be something you can gain from them, they can gain from you. Would these organically grown mentors be considered as your board of directors? Yes, they are. There are people that if I'm really having a problem or something I want to think about, I will go to them and tell them what's going on and ask for their open, honest feedback. And that is one thing about them. I can count on them being brutally honest with me. And I'll tell them to be that way um, because that helps me to become a better person. Um, and, yeah, from time to time you go through different phases in your life. So, I mean, think about motherhood. We all had mentors when we were mothers, right? You, there was always people that you went to and said, I don't know what's wrong with this kid right now. Um, and it's like that in every phase of your life and every different project I've been on. There are people, before I started the project, I would go around and talk to and get a feeling for who was a safe person that I could go back to and say, how do I solve this problem on the project now? You just brought up a very important word, Sherry Ann. You said a safe person. Let's Mm -hmm. explore that. So you want to give a definition of a safe person, then we'll ask Sarah Cook and Megan Sullivan to chime in. Very important. Who's safe? What is safe? This is a person I trust. I trust with my feelings and with what I'm going to say and that they're not going to go and repeat anything to anyone else unless I've told them it's okay that they can do that. So I can be, I can tell them everything and they won't carry tales anywhere or tell anybody anything else, 
but they also won't make me feel like a total idiot for what I've just done that might have been bad, right? Um, Mm -hmm. They're going to help me get over that hump um, and help me to grow from whatever error I made. Um, Someone that you feel that comfortable with that you can have those kind of conversations and that you know is going to be honest with you and tell you where the pitfalls are, what to avoid, who to talk to. Trust, safe, and uh, comfortable. Sarah Cook, what are your thoughts on this line of thinking here? Yeah, I'd like to add that there's a, a natural building to that relationship. So we had Kate asking earlier, how do I ask someone to be a mentor? And that is one approach. You can just walk up straight to them and say, hey, I've admired you. You're doing great work, and I'd love for you to mentor me because I aspire to be similar. Or you identify a pairing that's a potential, and this is most common even in your formal networks of what we're seeing develop around sponsorship at the best companies to work for in the United States, uh, which is a list that our organization puts out with Fortune Magazine. And what we're seeing in those programs is an identification of a pairing, a, a period of building trust, and proving capabilities. Uh, particularly for the mentee. And so then the sponsor or the the mentor is coming to that environment and they're not signing up 100% from the beginning. And and I think that's what's happening with these informally identified folks. And then eventually you reach this point where you have sponsorship commitment. And that's when everyone decides this really works. We trust each other deeply. We understand the benefits we gain from working together. And we're all in for each other. Um, and I, I think we're seeing a similar pattern as we listen to Megan and Sherry talk about their informal mentors that have mm-hmm. developed. Megan, any thoughts on this? Megan Sullivan at SAP? Yeah, I think, you know, I love all those speaking points here. I think they're spot on that just because you've gone and asked somebody to be your mentor doesn't mean you have to stick with that person, right? In the first Good initial point. meeting, if the chemistry is not there, don't be afraid to kind of back off and be honest about is it working, is it not working? Because the worst thing you can do is get into a mentor situation where there is no trust and you can't be vulnerable and you can't really be open. So I think it's absolutely okay to back off and say, you know what, this isn't working. I'm going to go try something else. I think also there's a reverse thing that can happen just as another point. Um, in my career, you know, I have spotted some really fantastic up-and-coming people, you know, a couple levels down from me and been very impressed with them and reached out and said, you know what, I see something in you. I'm so impressed by you. You have so much um, potential. You know, can I mentor you? I, you know, there is that, too, where, where you could absolutely approach somebody mm. that you really see a lot of potential in as well and, and offer that out proactively. Great point. I have a question for the entire panel. Anybody jump in and see who wants to take it? I'd love to hear from all three of you. Question is, what if you disagree with your mentor? You have a relationship. It's a, let's go with the formal mentoring. You have a meeting, and I'm also going to ask you, how often should you meet with your mentor? Somebody told me once a month for a half hour or an hour. I don't know if that's the norm, if that's advisable. But what if you seriously disagree with a mentor? You've taken their advice, you've looked at it, and it just isn't working for you. Do you fire them as your mentor? Do you go back and say, thank Thank you, but I'm going to do something else. Do you get mad at them? Where do you go when you disagree strongly with their advice? Who wants to take that first? Hi, Sarah. I'd like to jump in on that. Please. Um, so I think there's two two layers to the answer. So first of all, it's important that you are able to disagree with your mentor about how to approach things or a decision or a direction you're going to take. And, and that's important because you're also – 
sharing information to them, right? So even though they're your mentor, it's a two-way street, and you learn from each other in this relationship, and trust is based on being able to be honest about your feelings Mm -hmm. and your decisions. Now, if you reach that point where I started to hear in your introduction on this topic of this isn't really working together as a partnership, Mm -hmm. you also need to exit. Exit, of course, gently, and, you know, we've had our time together. This has been fabulous. You've helped me advance in X, Y, and Z way. And thank you so much for that support. And it's important to leave in that generous way because you want that person to continue to mentor others. Mm-hmm. You want to oh. encourage the, the um, pay-it-forward relationship that you've demonstrated with them. So we're all, in that sense, through our own behaviors, mentoring and setting the mode and setting the example for others. And how often, in part of your answer, how often should you meet with your mentor? Personally, I think uh, once a month is a good rhythm, and then you may do something uh, earlier or have an ad hoc call if something important is coming up or a big critical time is approaching. Um, in some cases, you may have a mentor for a shorter period around a specific project or a specific transition in your life, and then you'd meet more frequently for a shorter run. And should there be deliverables in that mentor-mentee relationship? Should you have, if you meet once a month, it's you're going to tell me X, Y, Z, you're going to send me a PowerPoint, I need three slides from you on how you're progressing on these topics. Should there be any kind of formal deliverables? What do you think? And I'll ask everybody else to chime in as well. I think that there needs to be clear expectations, um, whether or not that should be a PowerPoint or an updated Word document or we're just going to cover these five bullet points every time we get together. It doesn't have to be over overly rigorous, like a PowerPoint perhaps. Um, Mm -hmm. I would want it to be a bit more casual and fluid, but it's very important to say these are the topics we're meeting around and this is where we're headed or where I'm trying to achieve to get. And I would like your feedback on X, Y, and Z as we come together. So I think having parameters is very important. The rigor around how do we communicate together is up to the pairing. And I, I personally, I wouldn't want to have to do a PowerPoint every time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God somebody said that. Who else wants to chime in? I know we covered a lot of ground, but who else wants to talk about deliverables and what if you want to fire your mentor and how often should you meet? Uh, Sherry Ann, any thoughts on that? Well, I think a mentor isn't a mentor for all things. So I do think um, not necessarily want to fire your mentor, but there may be times when you just, both of you, one or both of you needs to just move on. And Sarah's absolutely right. You want to leave in a generous way. No matter what happened with that relationship, you got something out of it. I'm a firm believer in that. You got something. You're not walking away with nothing. You had to get something, even if it's just more insight about yourself as to what your values are, and so what, therefore, what kind of person you need in a mentor to move on to. Um, I've had formal arrangements where I've met like every other month for lunch mm. or something, which are more discussions. Also, formal arrangements that were set up because, like, for example, when I joined the board of directors, I wanted a mentor to help me understand what my deliverables were for that, and so there was a very short, concise point of time where we had that kind of relationship where I said, I need to know one, two, three. Um, but I really think it's a matter of the persons that are a part of the, the relationship, the mentor relationship and how they, some people are more black and white. They always want to keep it very clear and upfront, and they want to have, mm-hmm. tell me the three points I'm supposed to be succeeding with you. When do you see this relationship ending? Um, mm-hmm. And other people like me just view it as this is another relationship. Let's get this accomplished. But you're part of my lifelong pool of people that I might tap again someday. Thank you very much. Megan Sullivan, thoughts on this? And I'm going to take this in another direction after you chime in on this one. What do you think? 
I think, you know, the most important thing is never, ever trade your integrity over for anything anyone says to you or for your job. You know, you, mm-hmm. all, all, we've got our integrity and that has to be stable. So if you're in a mentoring relationship and somebody's telling you something that you fundamentally disagree with, you know, you have to be your own person. And I think either in that moment you could say, this doesn't quite work for me and I'd like to go in another direction. Or if it's kind of a, I mean, a bullying type of thing where like you have to do this, then I think you do have to exit that relationship. And like all the other ladies say, you know, very gracefully. I think it's, you know, I'm in the heart of the Silicon Valley and, and, um, you know, it's a very small valley. People move jobs pretty frequently and you always run into the same people. So you never know if you're going to work with that person again, whether in a peer relationship (laughs) or maybe they'll even be in your management chain. So I think it's always important to exit gracefully no matter what the situation. Going up and down that ladder, right? You never know who you're going to meet going up, looking up, looking down. Don't burn your bridges. No angry words on the exit. Always go out the door with a smile and a handshake and something gracious. Absolutely. Megan, before I I go to this other point in just a second, uh, your thoughts on the frequency of a formal mentoring relationship. Do you agree with once a month, once every couple months, deliverables? Yeah, I would definitely say uh, the, the most successful ones that I'm in now that I mentor are uh, once a month for 30 minutes. I would also say that no formal deliverables because um, we all have enough work to do, but both sides of the house do. The ones that I find the most um, helpful are when my mentors come in in the first 30 minutes and they say, I have five topics I want to discuss, and they drive the conversation because they're the ones who are there for help. And so it's very helpful when they come in saying, here's five things that have been rattling around in my brain that I'd like some input on. We spend the 30 minutes just whipping through those, and then we're done. And it's very efficient and helpful. You brought up another point. How many people can you mentor at the same time? What's Is there any advice on a quota? So for me, I'm currently mentoring about seven individuals via you know phone. And then I also lead a lean-in circle here in the Silicon Valley at a startup company. And I go um, every other month to that company in person, and we do a lean-in session with the female leaders of that company to help them grow. Wow. Sherry Ann, do you have any thoughts? And we didn't cover that on how many people could one one leader, like my panel today, can you mentor at the same time? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it depends on the, the types of relationship and how you manage them. I mean, clearly, Megan has this down to a science. Um, and I agree that if you set up – the relationship to be a little bit more formal, so we're going to accomplish five things and then, you know, you're going to move on. Or if you do it in a group setting, you can mentor multiple different people. Um, I would say, for me, optimally, the per- number of people I would mentor at one time would be three to five. Three to five. And Sarah Cook, thank you, Sherry. Uh, three to five. And uh, Sarah Cook, what about you? Yeah, so... Uh, my reaction also is around the depth of the relationship. So I, I would cap out at five typically for me, but I think there's a difference also between a mentoring relationship and a sponsoring relationship. So if I'm having a protege or multiple protégés, those are lifelong commitments, multi-career, multi-job commitments, and you are working intensely together but also gaining from it. So those you can have a couple of those and still have the five mentoring relationships on the side. Thank you. And I have to throw in something here about Megan Sullivan. You earned the 2013 Marketing and Communications Best Mentor Award, or, or uh, the, the name, at SAP last year. So congratulations, Megan. That's quite Thank an you. honor. 
Now we know why she's able to do seven at the same time, plus her lean-in group. I, I knew there was an accolade somewhere in there that you had been recognized for that. I just wanted to, want to give credit where credit is due. Now, Megan, talking to you, uh, you have an interesting point here that Kate Sakey just brought up on, yeah, she just brought it up on Twitter, but it was in your talking points. Let's talk about that. And you mentioned it casually. Let's dive in. You say you'll never be able to repay your own mentor, but you can pay it forward. So how does this work? And, and we still didn't cover, I don't think we covered reverse mentoring. But first, how do you repay a mentor if you don't have, if it's not a dollar amount or a, I'll take you to lunch after we do our session once a week or once a month? How do you pay it forward in your, in your thoughts, Megan? This goes back to a comment you asked earlier about board of directors and how do you repay them and how do they, you know, yeah. how do they get their compensation? And, and, you know, again, I think the, the best thing to do here is that, um, you, you won't be able to repay a mentor for what they're giving you because in some cases it is priceless. So what you can do is reach out to those in the next generation behind you and start mentoring someone else and let them be kind of a role model and a guide to how you progress in your career and how you start giving back. I think that's definitely one way is just pay it forward. I think the other way, I mean, you, you mentioned my award just now, which was extremely flattering and humbling. And and I had mentored, a, I'm still mentoring a gentleman at SAP, and he actually nominated me for that award, which was, I mean, he gave me more in that nomination and his confidence in me and kind of publicly recognizing me than I think I ever gave him in any advice. And so I'm extremely grateful to him for that. And that was, you know, that was fantastic. You are humble, that's for sure. Sherry Ann Meyer, what are your thoughts on repaying and paying it forward? Uh, well, I absolutely agree. I mean, the idea is you learn from mentoring somebody else and from being mentored. And those are thoughts, values, ideas that you can share with somebody else in a younger generation or somebody new coming into your organization, whether your organization is one of my volunteer organizations or, um, you know, my workplace, right? Um, even just in this call, I feel a sense of being mentored by both Sarah and Megan and you, Bonnie, because we're sharing yeah. information. So, And we're certainly all paying it forward to everybody else right now by letting them know this is how you engage. This is how you do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the most powerful thing you do for somebody is to help them realize their full potential. And when you do that, they pay it forward to someone else, too, because they've learned something they're going to share with somebody else. You, if you make someone feel good, they're going to want to mm-hmm. pass that on. Very good point. Sarah Cook on this one, what do you think? Yeah, I want to add that cherry on the top of the pie of paying it forward, right? So when you do take on those mentoring relationships because you were mentored and you really want to pay it forward, make sure that you connect that dot back. Send a note, send an email, whatever it is that you use to communicate with your prior mentor and tell that person, because of all that you taught me, I am going and doing this out in the world today, and I'm so excited about the future that my mentee or my sponsor or my prodigy has. And um, and let them know that they've influenced you to pay it forward because that is going to make their heart swell. Wonderful point. I love that. Isn't that great? Yes. Uh, question, ladies. Uh, let's go down the line on this one. Reverse mentoring. What does it mean? Can a younger... Let's talk about millennials. We do a lot of topics here on, on Coffee Break Radio on millennials. We do it on our HR Trends with Game Changer series. So a millennial comes in. They have some amazing talent. They're a good speaker or they're a good uh, networking person. And the opportunity comes up for them to, quote, unquote, mentor somebody who's been in the workforce. I don't know, somebody at least 
least 10 to 15, maybe 20 years old, or maybe a boomer like myself. How does that work? Who sets it up? Who recognizes it? Who who sponsors that type of mentorship? Sherry Ann, why don't you give me a minute on that, and then we'll go to Sarah and Megan, and then we're going to take our break before we go to predictions. So Sherry Ann, reverse mentoring. Well, in my experience so far, it's been that I have approached that person and, and created the mentoring relationship between us because I recognize that they have some knowledge that I don't have. Um, they have a different, just a different viewpoint on things. And I always encourage young people, sometimes when they come into our organization, they're afraid to speak up. Um, but I always encourage that because I think it's thought-provoking and it leads to diversity of thought, thought, diversity of culture, um, new ideas, better solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's me that's approached the person recognizing that they have something that inspires me that I'd like to learn from them. Very interesting. Sarah Cook? Thoughts? Yeah, this is a great trending topic. It's an uh, it's an mm-hmm. item that's starting to pick up in the best companies to work for in the U.S. in formalized programs. And even if you don't have a formalized program at your organization, as a manager or a leader, you can make that facilitate that happening by asking your new associate into the team to start working with your uh, long tenured associate and to point out to them the values and the strengths that both have and how they can share that across each other. So that manager is a great opportunity to facilitate. Wonderful. And Megan, Megan Sullivan at SAP, thoughts on reverse mentoring, please? Yeah, I think this is fascinating. I think the millennials topic certainly is, um, you know, they're they're really changing the game and the world and how we communicate to social media and all this kind of stuff. And it's very important to infuse all that knowledge and that experience back into these larger corporations so that we follow those trends and do the right things. At SAP, what I do is when, when I find one of those really great, aspiring, you know, super knowledgeable people, like a millennial, I'll actually schedule them to come into a broader staff meeting or a broader team meeting and give us a presentation on, tell us what you see or what you know or what you'd like the world to look like. Um, and then from there, um, relationships will form in terms of other people on the team saying, hey, I'd really like to talk more to that person or, or what have you. So I do think it has to be somebody higher brokering that relationship mm-hmm. and really drawing that person in. And the comments are absolutely right. You know, some of these younger um, guys coming in, they are afraid to speak up. And, you know, how can I have confidence to speak in a meeting? And so it's very important that the senior leaders really give them that confidence and that empowerment to be able to go ahead and do that with authority. Empowerment, great word in our conversation. Panelists, I'm going to give you a break for about 90 seconds. That's it. Don't go too far away. We're going to come back with, well, Sherry Ann knows this. It's the predictions round. We call it the crystal ball. So you can run outside or go to the attic or the car shed or the boat, wherever you keep the crystal ball, if it's Steuben or some other kind of glass, just or anything you can see into. I want you to go five years ahead or we'll even go to 2020 because we know that's what hindsight is supposed to be. And we'll talk about what would you be talking about. About on this topic, mentoring five or six years from today if we meet again, and I hope we do. We're going to take a break very quick. We'll be right back with the predictions round. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP Brad Out. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. 
The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are. We're ready for our crystal ball round. We're going to look at predictions five or six years from today. If we talked about mentoring done right, what will have transpired in the intervening five or six years? Let's kick this off with Sherry Ann Meyer, Air Products and Chemicals, and member of the Board of Directors and Executive Exchange for ASUG. That's the American SAP Users Group. Sherry, kick off our predictions round, please. Two minutes, go. Well, I think if we do this right, mentoring will cease to be something where it's only in corporations and only for uh, those of us who um, have those formal ways to set up mentoring. I think it's really about knowledge sharing. And you said something interesting at the beginning of the show. I think you said, do we call it mentoring or something? Mm-hmm. I've changed the name of it slightly. Yeah. And I think, you know, maybe we see that differently because I view this more as a, a knowledge sharing, ongoing associate partnership and something I'm always seeking out to have, in Megan's words, people on my board of directors um, that I admire and that can be thought-provoking for me. Thought-provoking is the most important thing for me to make me look inside myself and outside of the world and try to blend those two concepts together. What are my values and how do they fit into this world that I'm working in or will be working in to bring me success, personal success, financial success, promotional success in my job? Okay, thank you very much, Sherry Ann. We have a little time left over, so we can throw a little more over to Sarah Cook. What do you think, Sarah? Five years from today, six years, what would you see? The same word mentoring? Uh, will you see an increase in reverse mentoring? Will you see an increase in virtual mentoring or in the lack of formality? What do you see? Yeah, so I think all those things will start to develop. And so what's coming, of course, is a more fluid workforce. Our workforce, particularly in the U.S., as universal healthcare solutions come into place, which has been one of the items of holding people into their employer. Um, you know, years ago we had the shift to 401ks, made people away from retirement plans, gave them more agility, and now we have healthcare shifting as well. So we find a more agile workforce that's going to pick up and move from project to project, opportunity to opportunity more quickly, already seeing that more in some of the areas like Silicon Valley and in the younger generations. As we start to see that more holistically across the the industries and organizations, I think that what we're going to see is reviews on mentors and sponsors. We've already seen that come in in the last few years around uh, professors and teachers. So now if you're in undergrad, you're going to your school, you're picking out your class schedule, you're looking online and seeing reviews from students. 
people are getting rated four stars, two stars, five stars. Mm. Oh, they do a lot of homework or they don't. And you're making choices on your class schedule based on feedback in, in positions that we previously would never have dared <laughs> to do that kind of thing for. And I think that's going to come into mentoring and sponsors as well. It's a position where now it's under the ground, that kind of feedback or by reputation, and that's going to become more formalized. And we'll see that as part of the process and part also then of making the reputation gain in these formal relationships larger and bigger for the people who are serving as a sponsor, but also greater risk because they could be hindered by it um, if something goes awry. That's what I think is going to be coming if we look at 2020. Very exciting. Thank you very much. Megan Sullivan, what do you think? I think all this is so fascinating. You know, I think Mm -hmm. uh, mentoring is a very, very personal um, experience. And I think formal mentoring programs of the past will be gone for, for all intents and purposes. I believe mentoring will become a much more collaborative process. You know, whether it be individual to an individual, I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head about the world is so social at this point. And the world is influenced by what other people think. And we buy things based on reviews or what so-and-so bought or he told me to buy it or she loves this or, or what have you. I'm learning things through my social networks, through Twitter, through Facebook, through LinkedIn, et cetera, and it's influencing me. And I'm a lot older than these millennials who live and breathe that every day. And they're the ones that are going to be, you know, top of the workforce by then. So what I think is that I think we're going to see kind of more collaborative mentoring where mentoring is not going to be a one-on-one. It's really going to be more of a group type of thing. More people will be sharing ideas virtually. Uh, more people will be coming together. I think this lean-in circles that Sheryl Sandberg has kind of created and facilitated is a fascinating way to learn. You know, when you sit in a room with seven other people and really talk about very personal situations or professional personal development and learn a little different piece from each person in the room, I walk out of those lean-in sessions with more information and more value from a collective group of people than I ever would have on an individual conversation. And so I think we're going to see those circles proliferate both, both you know, physically in a room together and virtually um, through social media and networks. I think also one thing that uh, has really become important in, in the workforce is personal brand. You know, a lot of people are working on their personal mm-hmm. brand. How do I present myself? How is my reputation internally and externally? You know, how do I use social media to further my career or get my word or my opinion out there? And um, I think we're going to see personal brand with mentoring in a collaborative way, you know, all come together in a very social, virtual format. I'm not sure what it looks Thank- like yet, but I feel like it's mm-hmm. really happening. Sounds exciting. A comment for all of you yesterday on our HR Trends with Game Changers series. We talked about ERGs, employee resource groups, and how those are free think tanks that bring together the best and the brightest. We talked about it in the context of women's ERGs, bringing together women leaders at all levels, potential and current leaders, sharing knowledge and benefiting. And some of those are very niche, you know, could be for a a particular ethnic group or disabled or women who've been in the workforce a certain number of years, blah, blah, blah. So that was something very interesting interesting, and I imagine some mentoring probably happens on an informal basis in those ERGs. I have a quick bonus question for the panel, and this is going to have to be really short, about uh, 30 seconds each. I'll start with Sherry Ann Meyer, then Sarah Cook, and then Megan Sullivan. The question is, is there such a thing, and if not, should there be a mentoring instruction in an organization? Let's say a big enterprise or an SME, small to midsize. You come in, you have your employee initiation, indoctrination, whatever they call it these days, and in your handbook or in whatever guide they give you, it says, we have a mentoring instructional program or a mentoring handbook, and you can be part of this during your career here. Does it exist or should it, and why or why not? 30 seconds, Sherry Ann Meyer, go. 
I absolutely think it should exist. I think it opens the doors and lets people know that you support people talking to each other and supporting each other. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Good. Sarah Cook, thoughts? Yeah, it absolutely already exists at the best companies. And we see that consistently ah. across them, not 100%, but a large scale. And then now is evolving into these sponsorship relationships that has even different guidelines around it. Thank you very much. Megan Sullivan, what do you see at SAP in this regard? So it absolutely exists. I think that's true that right. it's important that people know the support is there, but I do think it has to be very flexible once you reach under the covers in terms of what it means and, and how it forms. Okay, thank you very much. I have my predictions of my own. I wrote them down. They're very easy. Today's Wednesday. We know that. Tomorrow is Thursday. No, it's not Belgium. Yeah. It's Future of Business with Game Changers. There are those of old enough to get the reference, thank you very much for the giggle there. Uh, it's Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific. It's worth getting up early for. Monday, we start all over again with Financial Excellence with Game Changers, 10 a.m. Pacific. Tuesday, it's HR Trends with Game Changers, 9 a.m. Pacific. And we'll be back here next Wednesday. You know what with Coffee Break with Game Changers. 8 a.m. Pacific. It's all worth getting up for. And if you missed any of our shows, go to the business channel at Voice America Radio and look for the Coffee Cup logo. It's on all of our shows. And find us and listen to the replays on demand at your convenience. Thank you, Sherry Ann Meyer. Thank you, Sarah Cook. Thank you, Megan Sullivan. All wonderful panelists. You got it. You played in the sandbox. Great conversation. Great repartee. And a shout out to Kate Seiki at SAP who's been listening and tweeting, asking some great questions. And she wrote me the following email. What an awesome show. I'm really enjoying this and learning a ton. So thank you, Kate. There's a young one. I think you three have already mentored her over the radio. Malcolm Kimberlin, my co-producer, thanks for the tweets, and Brad and the Business Channel team. Thanks for getting us on the air. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Signing off for another live edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers. I'll see you tomorrow right here for the future of business with Game Changers. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.